Welcome to the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, where it's all about slashing your debt, slashing your taxes, and creating a liberated lifestyle. And now, your host, who met his wife while training for the 400 meters in Seattle and is eating gluten-free while lusting after bread, Dave Denniston. And welcome back to another episode of the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast. Well, in this episode today, this is part two of the interview with Dr. Marion Mass. And in this interview today, I promised you there'd be a little bit of controversy. You're going to discover about this organization that she helped to found, found called the Practicing Physicians of America. And you're going to learn about the experience, a tragic experience that caused Marion to really question the system and what's behind it. And this is leading to her perspective on the AMA and the conflicts of interest that she's found. And what happens, what's interesting is I challenge her on why not stay to change the system? So I thought that was a really interesting part of this conversation. And one of the things that, that she talks about in this conversation is recertification and how the PPA is trying to change recertification. So I think you'll find it to be a really interesting conversation. I hope you get a lot of value out of it. Maybe it causes you to think a little bit and makes you aware of some things I personally wasn't aware of. And with no further ado, here is part two. Absolutely. Well, the last thing that you want to have done is being taken advantage of, right? Which I know many, many Correct. colleagues yeah. have. Um, one of the questions that I'd love to know, Marion, is obviously you guys have been savers. You do a lot of things really well in terms of managing your budget. How are you tracking your progress towards financial freedom. You know, what does that look like for you? <laughs> Don't laugh at me. I won't be able to answer this very well. What it looks like is me asking my husband how it's going, and he says, I've got it under control. <laughs> so, Don't worry about um, it, honey. Right. No, and, you know, once in a while we kind of go through things, but um, he – He's very good about planning that. I mean, I think in a real partnership, in any kind of business venture or even personal venture like a marriage, you know, it's like good to have um, one person. You complement each other, C-O-M-P-L-E-M-E-N-T. Um, and we do because that's not what my fort and it is his, so I let that be. But you're right. I need to track that better. So we do follow and we've, we actually – here, here's one thing that I know that we did together. Uh, the day each child was born, we already had plans to save. And mm -hmm. we knew what we needed to have in the bank the day each child was born. And we were pretty good about that. And that was with calculations of expanding college costs, and we all know that that's certainly a problem. So Really? It's gone up. I, yeah. I, I hadn't noticed. So. <laughs> I think it may be even more than healthcare, or maybe on the same trajectory. But it's it's been crazy, Dub double the rate of inflation. So it's it's, it's yep. nuts. Well, let me let yeah. me just kind of switch um, 
the conversation a little bit because I know that I mentioned earlier in the introduction that, that you're just so super passionate about healthcare. Obviously, we could hear in your voice earlier just the, the passion you have for patients as well, too. And you, I mentioned that you co-founded the Practicing Physicians of America. So I'd love to know, how did that come about, Marion? And tell us about why you decided to found, found this and why you moved in that direction. Oh, okay. Well, it's been a six-year odyssey. Um, it's really hard to be in healthcare and to have people that you love be in healthcare with you and not want to get involved in help. So um, I've only ever worked part-time as a pediatrician, mainly because that we chose to stay, I chose to stay home with my kids and I worked nights and weekends when they were younger. So as soon as they all got to be in school age, I got more involved in like at least investigating and dissecting the whole healthcare system and what was going wrong because it was obvious to me that something was going very wrong. I think it's obvious to all of America. But anyway. Um, you mean you don't get an hour with your doctor? I, I no, 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 no. Seriously. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> really. Um, so I, the whole process was uh, accelerated for me three years ago. So I'm sure that if you, uh, when you backtrack through this, you'll hear the passion in my voice for my mother. We were, she and I were very close. And um, three years ago, my mother was abjectly humiliated by receiving poor care in an accoladed hospital, despite my, you know, attempts to advocate for her. It happened three weeks after my father died. My father had lived with us on hospice um, for three and a half weeks. And when he wow. passed, my mother, who had Alzheimer's, she she went crazy. And I think she went crazy because she couldn't express herself. And um, she needed to be hospitalized for inpatient psych. And they loaded her up with medications. And when I found her in the hospital that was an hour and a half from my house, she was just slumped over and her breakfast tray hadn't been touched and it was almost noon. And I needed some help for her. And um, I went out to the nurse's station and took them the coffee and the chocolates that I brought as thinly veiled bribes to, you know, attract their attention because, you know, they run on caffeine in hospitals. And I um, tried to tell the staff, you know, this is who my mother is. You know, she's a volunteer. She's a good person. She raised five children. And, you know, you've over-sedated her, and that's okay. I understand she was combative when she got here, but we need to remove some of the sedation. And by the way, she hasn't eaten breakfast. I'll be happy to spoon feed her. I'll help you with her the days that I can come here. And those were the next three days. And every day she was still sedated and I was still needing to spoon feed her. And I kept asking, you know, is she getting fed when I'm not here? Because I, she can't advocate for herself. And then came three days that I couldn't get there. I mean, I had missed a lot of work and I had missed a lot of kid time, having my father live with us on hospice, having to bury him, and then mm. having my mother go in the state that she went in. And they kept on reassuring me every time that I called that she was fine, she was fine, she was fine. Then they told me she was ready for discharge, and I, I found her completely dehydrated and absolutely unresponsive. And they hadn't oh, even no. noticed. Oh, <laughs> no. Wow. I, I literally could not believe that it, it happened right under my nose. And I felt a certain degree of shame because I, I, not only was I her daughter, but I was a dra- daughter who was a doctor, and I couldn't stop that. Wow. I was just bowled over, and um, we refused as a family to sue. would have been pointless. You can't equate money with life. That's a pointless exercise, you know, hoisted on us by the trial lawyers that they're part of the wrecking ball in healthcare. 
But um, instead, uh, we reported to regulatory agencies that were supposed to be watchdogs. And less than a year later, a friend called me, almost an eerily similar situation. Um, father had just died. Mother had Alzheimer's. Mother was hospitalized. Mother wasn't getting good care. Could I help? And when I asked her what hospital, <laughs> it was less than a year since I reported everything to agencies that were supposed to fix all the problems in my mother's hospitalization. It was the same hospital. Wow. Wow. So I got super duper involved. And, you know, what I recognized pretty quickly, David, was that there's a lot of doctors groups that I think claim that we're advocating for the patient and for the physicians, but they've become part of the problem. You know, in healthcare, if you look, um, there's a really wonderful site. I hope everyone hears this part. Um, it's called Open Secrets. And within the site Open Secrets, you can research all of the people who spend money to get politicians reelected, who they spend it on, which groups are spending money, et cetera, et cetera. It's fascinating. And year after year for I don't even know how many years, at least a decade, there's four groups that are always in the top ten but usually in the top six. And it's big insurance, big pharma, big hospital, and the American Medical Association. And I think a lot of people think, oh, you know, the AMA represents doctors, but they're actually really tied to all those other groups and um, receive money in some cases from those other groups. You know, they, they own the coding system that we need as physicians to get paid by insurance companies for procedures. They own the coding system. They get $72 million a year for owning that coding system. Do you think they're going to advocate against insurance companies? Of course not. They sell prescribing information of physicians to big pharma. Do you think they're going to advocate when they receive $40 million or something like that per year? I have to look up the stats on that one for sure, but I, I, I believe it's around $40 million per year. There's a great New York Times article if you research um, the AMA's conflict with big pharma, New York Times. You'll pull it right up. Um, I didn't write it. Well, you know, I, I, but, I, I, I'm, it uh, looks like I, I looked it up, opensecrets.org, I believe is the, um, the website you were referring to. Uh, yes, the Center for Responsive Policy. wonderful. That's the one. Yes, um, yes, yes, I love well, that website. Well, I have to imagine, just to play devil's advocate, you know, there's, there's physicians listening out there that they're part of the AMA. You know, they are volunteering, they're serving on various mm -hmm. steering mm -hmm. committees, and, and they're, they're passionate about it. And they might be saying, you know what, I'm just trying to make a difference within it. We realize it's not perfect, um, but we want to do our part. So why did you decide to not work within the AMA um, which in trying to change it, as many physicians currently are doing? Right, exactly. Well, and you know what, I apologize to, because I do recognize, and I should have started with that, and I'm not going to say that the AMA has done everything wrong. I think that they've done some wonderful public health things through the years. That's great. Um, however, my beef with them is, is that you really shouldn't be taking all that money from those conflict of interests that I referenced and then getting to advise Congress on how to fix health care. That's wrong. That's wrong. Um, but I do think that there's very many good people that have worked within the AMA and are really advocates for physicians. And, I mean, it's their choice to work with the AMA. It's my choice not to. I, I sleep well at night. I, I, maybe I don't do everything right every moment of my life, but I try to make wise decisions and to connect myself with people who are doing the right thing. And so, you know, you said, how did you get involved in all of this? Back six years ago... I could see that 
things weren't happening within medicine with groups like the AMA that I thought were be, being effective. I mean, so I think that there's wonderful people that work for the AMA. I know some. And I know some people that think we can change this from the inside. But I don't know of any group that's going to voluntarily give up $72 million a year or $40 million a year. Do you? Uh, no. Um, it, I, <laughs> I, I, obviously, I think you have some good points there. So what is it that your organization does then? So what what is it that... Um, that you're doing that is something that the, the AMA isn't doing in the practicing physicians of America. Right, right. We're new and we're fledgling. And you know what? I would never choose to say, oh, AMA, let's just wipe them off the face of the earth. You know, they're a very old organization. I think they had some wonderful roots. But as I said, in terms of advocating, um, and they've advocated very well for public health, I don't think they advocate for physicians. And I think we have reached a point in this country, we have an epic physician burnout problem, or call it what you will, physicians that are enormously dissatisfied with their careers because there's so much regulation within our field of medicine. I know it's in other fields too. Um, there, is, there is so much paperwork thrust upon a physician where he can't get to his patient. And it's coming at a time when, you know, we've already referenced the enormous cost it takes to do you know, to get through medical school. I, I mean, I don't know who's going to graduate with $300,000 in debt so that they can click boxes and, you know, become a paper pusher yeah. um, for two times as many hours as they see patients. Unfortunately, I think a lot of young doctors graduate and say, this is not what I signed up for. And by the way, dirty little secret within our field, another shout out here to Dr. Pamela Weibel, um, who I believe is out in Oregon um, mm -hmm. in your neck of the woods. So Pamela advocates for uh, or against physician suicide. We have the highest professional suicide rate of all professions. And um, I think part of it is, is that, you know, this, this regulation that's thrust upon us. So what does PPA want to do? Um, we'd like to advocate for physicians in a way that we think hasn't been done. Um, one of our big projects is uh, maintenance of certification. Um, it, the the powers that be within maintenance of certification will say it's really about educating your doctors. It's not. It's about tremendous amounts of money that are gained by the uh, groups that advocate for certification. Um, so and we have tax documents. The, the board exams and recertifying that 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 whole thing. But the board exams, many... yeah, the board, yeah, the board exams are fine. Those need to happen. It's the recertification and not. I don't even mind the recertification exams, although um, it's pretty insulting to get patted down every time you leave to go to the bathroom during one of those exams. And I've taken the recert now uh, twice, the original exam once. Um, the recertification exam isn't that awful to take, although there's a lot of esoteric questions on there that aren't really helping your pediatrician help their patients. It's the There's another portion to recertification that is just wasting our time and I, that I hear you yeah. amen to that in yeah. our industry yeah thing it's done right and and it's not not just wasting our time but it's it's wasting our patients time you know so yeah. they call it part four and they make us do these little mini research projects and we have to punch all kinds of numbers into the computer and we have to ask our patients to fill out surveys on behalf of us we're taking our patients time we're invading their lives and what we're doing is not there's been no proof that it's beneficial. 
Um, and furthermore, because we're taking so much time to do, it's robbing our time with our patients. And honestly, I think if every mom in America knew what I had to do for recertification, they would be furious at the board that was making me do that and taking my time away from their, taking care of their child. So that's so, one of the things we're passionate about advocating for. And we're also passionate about making sure that physicians start to, um, we call ourselves a little bit of a watchdog group. And we're watching very carefully. We know what's going on in healthcare reform. And we're watching very carefully to try to make sure that those vested interests that I mentioned, big insurance, big pharma, um, big hospital, et cetera, that those interests, are not what's most important. What's most important is the interest of the patient and the physician. So doctor-patient relationship, absolutely. So tell us more practically. So those are the problems, right? Mm -hmm. What is the organization doing about that? What does that look like? (laughs) Okay, well, um, it looks like advocacy and education. So we are, and we are a very young group. We're at the portion where we're drawing in. So we're newly formed. Um, and, you know, all of us that are on our board, so can I do another shout-out? I feel like I've done so many. Sure. So many people are Why helpful. not? So um, my co-founder and president, Dr. Westby Fisher, um, my uh, vice president of political um, matters and secretary, Dr. Craig Wax of New Jersey, um, and my, uh, our, not my, our treasurer and, uh, at PPA, Dr. Judith uh, Thompson of Texas, who's a breast surgeon. We're all physicians that are practicing. I'm the luckiest of the group. I'm um, part-time. Everyone else works full-time. And this is, you know, our effort is, as you mentioned, you know, there's people that advocate within the AMA. They do it as volunteer. When you're putting something together, you're doing like, I'm putting in 60 hours a week easy for this right now. And it's unpaid. And it will always be unpaid because, I look upon it as just my volunteer work, my advocacy for my profession. I don't want to be paid for that. Um, and the other people that I work with are doing the same. So what are we physically doing? Right now we are gathering. Um, we are trying to draw people in. Um, we are setting up our website that we hope becomes a great educational endeavor for people within our professions and, and also the public. So um, we're partway done our page that's going to include salient articles about uh, healthcare reform, about maintenance of certification, about um, the MACRA bill, about how hospitals' transparency is affecting the cost of medicine. So many topics are going to be on that website page. And we're going to try to earmark certain um, topics and certain uh, articles that are easy for patients to understand. Um, I think within a lot of our reform groups, we have brilliant people who have been writing wonderful things for years, but unfortunately, some of them are written in a way that doctors understand, but patients can't. And I think it's time for patients to begin to understand how healthcare is being adversely affected by these special interests. Uh, I, I think it's a great mission, and uh, congratulations on, on trying to impact the world and, and make a difference with this. If people are interested, where can they find out more about it, and what do you think that looks like? Oh, um, well, I do encourage people to email me, believe it or not, but uh, practicing physicians of Amer- – my email actually is marion at practicingphysicians. Dot org, and then our, we have a Facebook page. You can find us there. 
Um, it's Practicing Physicians of America. And let me go right on my computer and just read off our email address or our website address because I, I certainly don't want to get that wrong and then uh, mess that up with the public. Uh, and I should know it off the top of my head, but it's been a busy couple weeks, you know. Um, we are, I think it's just practicingphysiciansofamerica.org. So the Facebook okay. page is Practicing Physicians of America. Um, we have a Twitter handle, at PPA underline USA. And our website, oh, this is embarrassing. It was all going so well until that. Well, well, what we'll do, Marianne, <laughs> if you just email me the links later, we'll make sure to include them in the show notes. So, oh, wonderful. Uh, Thank just you. Get those, get those to me on email, and we'll make sure to include them for everyone to check out. Um, now, let's go ahead, and as we wrap up our conversation here, out of respect of, of uh, all of our time, uh, I'd like to enter into a quick lightning round. Are you ready? I'm ready, but can I give it to you? HTTP colon backslash backslash, backslash practicingphysician.org. Sorry, had to get it in there. Okay, you but got go it. go ahead. Lightning round. <laughs> lightning round. Okay. Top three financial habits you have. Uh, cooking for myself and my family, growing my own vegetables, and thrift shopping. And what is your guilty pleasure you spend dollars on? Okay. Big admission. I have a cleaning woman who comes once a week. I hate to clean. I just hate it. <laughs> I still have to clean. I still have to clean every other day of the week, but the reason I feel guilty is my mother did all her own cleaning. And, and actually, funny. she comes tomorrow. She hasn't been here in three weeks. Shout out, Susan. Dear God, I miss you. It's horrible here. Please come soon. <laughs> and, uh, what, guilty pleasure. <laughs> what, what book on your nightstand or on your desk are you reading right now? Um, I am reading one of Tyler Florence's cookbooks, and then I have several other ethnic cookbooks there, um, a Greek one, a Persian one, and a Jewish one. And I am almost done the book called America's Bitter Pill by Stephen Brill. Um, it's actually a fascinating expose on mm, the last eight years of how healthcare has been um, subverted by lots of lots of groups. Yeah, we'll have and to check meticulously that out. researched. Yeah, I think every American should read that book. Every doctor should, for certain. Hmm. Well, Marion, as we wrap up this interview, I'd like you to think about this question for a moment. I want you to step back into the past where you're not a practicing physician and you're a resident, and maybe you're talking to a younger Marion who just made the transition of not doing MD-PhD and is just pursuing the, the MD route. If you could sit down with her, what advice would you give her now? Oh, Marion, please be patient. You want everything done yesterday, and sometimes it takes a little bit longer. That's what I would tell Marion. <laughs> Very good. And th there's so much of, obviously, we could talk about uh, on all of these issues. I think, I think what you're doing is just fascinating. Um, but what closing thoughts, Marion, do you have that you'd like to pass on to us? I'd like to pass on um, for physicians, please don't be afraid to speak up. This is our profession. This is our house. These are our patients. We need to take care of them. And not only do we need to take care of them now, but we need to take care of them in the future. It's very frightening to get involved. Um, I've actually had people come after me. And I'm not joking. It's mm -hmm. a little scary. But at the same time, 
the truth is a powerful weapon and I don't think you should ever be in trouble for telling the truth. And I think that I'm hoping. I could be wrong. You know, it may all go in the wrong direction and people with power and money may win a battle that I really hope they don't. Um, I'm doing this for my patients, but whether or not the side of justice and truth wins, I will be able to look at myself 20 years from now in the mirror and feel that I did the right thing. And to tell you the truth, it's really a fun trip and I've met some of the most amazing, wonderful people along the way. So I'd like to tell my fellow physicians, please get involved. If you're busy, if your practice is busy, there's still things that you can do. Share on social media, join a group, uh, read an article once a week, and educate your patients whenever you have a chance to. And for patients out there, what I would like to say is, is that really, truly, as Americans, we hold the power in this country to be able to change things. A lot of us complain, but are we really doing something? So um, I work with a wonderful veterans organization in my town of Doylestown. Shout out to the Travis Mannion Foundation. So last night we talked about our race that raises $100,000 for veterans and their families every year. Um, And the motto is, if not me, then who? So for both physicians and patients, if not you, then who's going to do this? I'll keep doing it. But wow, we could use some help. We could use physicians jumping on board and getting involved. And we could use patients standing up for themselves against powerful special interests and not being afraid to approach their lawmakers and tell their lawmakers, this is not working for us. And we need something that will and fix the problem because that's what you, that's what you went into office to do, to okay. represent us. Well, and Marion, we, we, we're running out of time here. Um, if people have more questions and getting involved, how can they get in contact with you? Oh, uh, Marion at practicingphysicians.org. And my first name is M-A-R-I-O-N. And then everything else is, you know, flows together as it does. And, uh, yeah, I'd love to hear from people. So people are, people are my thing. So let's do this together. Very- Awesome. Very good, Mary. And well, thank you so much for being with us here today. That wraps it up for now. In the next podcast, my friends, I would love to tell your story and it would be my honor to host you on the next podcast because I know we can learn from your journey as we learn from Marion's here today and it can help other doctors. So make sure to contact me, Dave, at drfreedompodcast.com or on my website, www.drfreedompodcast.com freedompodcast.com. For the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, this is Dave Denniston. And remember, my friends, remember to slash your debt, slash your taxes, and live a liberal lifestyle. And finally, if you gain some value out of this podcast, I'd be eternally grateful if you could take five minutes and review it on iTunes or Google Play because reviews make more and more physicians aware of this podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Make sure to subscribe. Checking in soon. Have a good one.